What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly Reefer Radio Rebellion Against Prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 28th year and found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hempresent is Nick Sarwork, Libertarian candidate for mayor of Phoenix, Arizona. Nick will join me in about 60 seconds. Many cannabis activists throughout the decades have made the assumption that under legalization, cannabis growers, sellers, and consumers would pretty much go about their business unfettered by government intrusion and without the risk of arrest and incarceration. But now that we're experiencing substantive reforms in many states, it's apparent that that is not in any way the case. Cannabis has been aggressively taxed and regulated, which might be a case of be careful what you ask for. Home grow and consumption restrictions have in some cases been preserved under the legalization model, as well as heavy zoning restrictions, smell regulations, and even advertising restrictions have been instituted by state legislatures and city governments. But my guest today might have ideas for a different approach in some of these instances. Nick Sarwark is the incumbent chairman of the Libertarian National Committee, the LNC, the executive body of the Libertarian Party of the United States. Prior to his election, 
In that position in 2014, he served on several of the LP's national committees, as well as chair of the Libertarian Party of Maryland and as vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Colorado. Nick is currently running for mayor of Phoenix in the 2018-2019 mayoral election. If elected, Nick has pledged on his website to, and I quote, advocate for full legalization of adult recreational usage, make enforcing marijuana prohibition the lowest police priority, secure nonprofit funding for patients who can't afford their medical card, work to ease the zoning variance restrictions on dispensaries, and include cannabis industry leaders in economic development discussions. I had the recent pleasure of serving on a panel with Nick at the Phoenix Cannabis Convention, and he's joined me today to talk about his campaign and his platform. Welcome, Nick, to Cannabis Radio. Thank you for having me on, Vivian. My pleasure. Nick, our national politics and media coverage are fairly dominated by the two-party system. For the benefit of the listeners out there who might not know much about the Libertarian Party, can you tell us what makes the Libertarian Party different from the Democratic and Republican parties, as well as why you are a Libertarian? The major difference between the Libertarian Party and the, uh, the two old parties, the Democratic and the Republican parties, is... Their politics is about getting power and using that power over other people. And the Libertarian Party is about setting people free to live their own lives as long as they don't hurt other people and they don't take their stuff. Um, In a nutshell, we want you to have the most freedom to pursue happiness however you choose, whether you want to be a straight-laced person that doesn't choose to use any substances, lives just your standard... Ozzy and Harriet kind of lifestyle, or you want to have an alternative lifestyle, as long as you are not interfering with someone else's rights to live their life as they choose, uh, we're all for as much freedom as as possible. And I became a libertarian uh, when my father actually took me to meetings here in Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, when I was just 10, 12 years old. It kind of made sense to me, this idea that, you know, it's not the government's business how you live your life unless you're infringing on somebody else's rights or you're somehow um, hurting someone else. How about, uh, just briefly, how about environmental issues? Uh, How how do you think that that corporations which might be doing large-scale environmental damage, how should they be managed, you think? What, What I think helps a lot is to take a look at what we have rather than um, push against something that's not in existence. So in the case of environmental damage, what we see is that when you hand off um, pollution to uh, an organization like the EPA, you end up having large companies who are polluters get their people appointed to the EPA and they give themselves, you know, slap on the wrist kind of fines. It's this thing called regulatory capture where, the people who are being regulated put their people into um, whatever government agency is doing the regulating, and you get this illusion that they're protecting the public when, in fact, they're, I guess, negotiating away our environmental protections. I've seen better results come from things like um, in the U.K., they have really strong rights for people who live downstream of a river, where if someone pollutes the river upstream, you can go to court and actually sue directly the polluter for the damage that was done to your environment. That's a lot more effective than trusting that a government bureaucrat is going to do the right thing 
and not be influenced by politics and the money that comes into politics. Excellent answer, because that's certainly prevalent in our current paradigm. You were a public defender, uh, a deputy public defender in Colorado, I believe. What did that experience teach you about our criminal justice system? What I learned as a deputy public defender was that even though everyone in America is equal before the law, the system is really stacked against people who are accused of committing crimes. You have, uh, you know, prosecutor's office has police officers and detectives who work for them and side by side with them with a lot of resources. Judges and juries tend to be um, by default on the side of the police and the prosecutor's office. And if you are a person of color or you're a person without very much means, it's difficult to get a fair shake in our legal system. Um, I was very proud to be a Colorado public defender. I think that state system is one of the best in the country, if not the best. And we fought really hard for our clients to make sure that, you know, if someone was going to try and put a client into a cage, that they didn't get an easy way to that conviction just because that person was unable to pay for their own attorney. We, we fought really hard. I myself tried, I think, 36 trials to a jury, everything from you know, low-level offenses up to first-degree murder cases, and got a lot of good results for my clients. Did you defend any Coloradans against cannabis-related convictions while you were a public defender? I had, I think, over the hundreds of cases I had, I had about two cannabis-related cases. One was um, an illegal cultivation case, and this was prior to uh, legalization in Colorado. So we had medical marijuana, but we didn't have recreational marijuana. And it was somebody who was growing more plants than they were supposed to, and they were not part of any sort of caregiver system. And that case, you know, even when they were prosecuting those cases, the cultural shift that we had had in Colorado, they weren't coming really hard at people like you see in the South or parts of the Midwest. Um, the other case was a possession case with, uh, I think it was a duffel bag full of marijuana in a trunk that someone was found with and charged. And that case, just to give you a sense of how deep the culture shift had been, ended up getting pled down to a misdemeanor offense with no jail time. Because uh, because of that cultural shift, you know, I, well, I know that, that there's some very big lingering issues like uh, interstate diversion, black market diversion and stuff. You think because of the cultural shift taking place in many communities, there's, even though technically things might be illegal, there's kind of the lack of will to prosecute starting to develop? Yes. What, what I would see is prosecutors would have the experience of bringing a case like that and then having a jury that would refuse to convict or nullify because the jurors just didn't think it was that serious of a thing. And prosecutors generally don't like to lose cases. So if you have that experience a couple of times where you bring a, a possession case or a possession with intent to distribute or illegal cultivation and a jury gives you back a not guilty verdict or a hung jury, eventually you decide to shift to um, cases that have more serious crime, things where property damage has happened or there's been some act of violence. Those are both more satisfying, I think, for prosecutors, a lot of whom get into prosecution because they feel like they want to bring justice to a community. And um, it's more likely that a jury is going to agree that it's a serious enough offense that they can bring a conviction. So, you know, the jurors and the people with the cultural shift 
you have a lot more power over how laws are enforced, even if the politicians are slow to change the letter of the law. Nick, we've got about one minute till the first break. Your cam- campaign website, sarworkforphoenix.com, quotes you as saying, Phoenix can meet its pension obligations, maintain city services, pay its bills, and foster organic growth all without raising taxes. You just have to be willing to make the hard choices and then balance the checkbook, something small business owners do every day. What would you cut from the Phoenix budget, if anything, in order to pay for those items I just quoted? So the way that you fix it, Phoenix has a very um, talented set of people who are running the city. The city manager and his deputies are some of the best in the country. And you give them the task of saying, this year we're going to spend 97 cents when last year we spent a dollar. And I don't know the right place for each department where budgetary efficiencies can be met, what programs uh, you know, aren't working and maybe we need to move away from. But it's just that, that, that process of looking at what we're doing and figuring out how we can live on three less cents per dollar. Uh, it's just like if you know, they raised your taxes on your paycheck and you made three cents less per dollar, you'd figure out what makes the most sense for you. And so as mayor, I wouldn't wanna dig into the political decisions at each department. I would wanna tell all of the city um, departments you know, this is this is the financial situation we're in. You're smart. You're the one who has the best idea of how this department works. Figure out how we can do this without raising taxes on Phoenicians. My guest is Nick Sarwork. We're going to take uh, our first pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws and hear that word from our sponsors and advertisers. Come back with our second segment. Don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock. We can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back with Nick Sarwark, candidate for mayor of Phoenix, Arizona. Nick, what's your position on the public consumption of cannabis? Do you feel that cannabis users should have the same consumption rights as, say, tobacco and alcohol users, uh, smoking in public places, bars, clubs, lounges for them, etc.? I think that to the cannabis users should be treated like anyone else using any other legal recreational substance. Um, so they should have the same consumption rights as tobacco and alcohol, and they should have the same restrictions, whatever the restrictions the community decides are appropriate, to make sure, again, that you're not imposing your preferences on somebody else. Um, you know, things like not smoking in an enclosed space with somebody who isn't interested in using or being around cannabis, just the same way that we try and make it so that people who smoke cigarettes or pipe tobacco don't impose their preferences on other people. But I think that we need to get past this stigma that somehow using cannabis is um, seen as, as worse or different from choosing to drink a glass of wine or choosing to smoke a cigarette. In fact, it, it may be a lot better than those things, but you know that decision of which is better and which is worse is not one that I think the government is qualified to make for the rest of us. So you would support, for example, a cannabis-specific lounge for people that know they're going into a cannabis uh, establishment? I think I would support that. Um, I think that that's part of what's necessary for an industry to grow. You know, I, I don't know, think you could have um, an alcohol industry in this country where all you had was liquor stores, but you never had any bars. Um, so I think that, you know, if you don't allow consumption in places outside of one's home, that you still... You're, you're constricting people's rights to enjoy themselves in a safe and, um, you know, safe way where they're not hurting anyone else and they're not imposing on anyone else. Dimitri Downing, the founder of the Marijuana Industry Trade Association, has said that Phoenix dispensaries and cultivation sites dominate uh, the similar operations in other cities. If elected mayor of Phoenix, would you take efforts to protect and preserve medical cannabis dispensaries if recreational adult use uh, is legalized in Arizona? I think having um, a medical system where you're helping sick people is something that you want to maintain even if uh, cannabis is allowed to be used recreationally. I think you know the different taxation of it um, recognizing that it's a patient versus someone who is, um, you know, just enjoying cannabis for its recreational purposes makes sense. We saw that in Colorado when we passed Amendment 64, that it was a, a good compromise where there was this other side of the industry that was available now for people who didn't have a medical condition, who weren't using it for medical purposes, but you didn't punish patients by throwing them into a system that has heavy taxation and doesn't recognize that they're using it for health purposes. Um, so I think that, that maintaining a medical system would be beneficial for the people of Arizona and the people of Phoenix. Yeah, here in my state, Washington, we uh, I-502 uh, came in. We had a robust medical marijuana dispensary system that was community-based. They had clientele. They had point-of-sale systems. They had supply lines. And that they were all completely shut down, closed, uh, in exchange for a lottery-based 
licensing system for recreational stores, and the result is that the patients don't have access to the specific strains they need. Um, they don't have the kind of uh, uh, support, and uh, in fact, they, they can't even talk. The, the rec stores can't really talk about medicinal aspects of cannabis, and the patients have really suffered, so it, it's refreshing to hear uh, your approach. Um, Nick Phoenix, interim mayor, Thelda Williams, tried to fast-track a significant tax on cannabis dispensaries and cultivators in order to raise funds for the city's police and fire departments. That tax was estimated to have produced roughly $43 million annually. You characterized the interim mayor's move as a shakedown. How would you approach the cannabis tax issue, uh, issue if mayor? You know, I think that uh, in our current system where we have a medical system, a medical cannabis dispensary is distributing medicine in the city of Phoenix, the same as a CVS or a Walgreens or the pharmacy at Walmart is distributing medicine in the city of Phoenix. And you shouldn't, it's bad public policy to take one set of people and treat them differently from another similarly situated set of people. That leads to government picking winners and losers. That leads to basically bullying unpopular or disfavored industries. So what the mayor had tried to do was say, look, we did some polling. The cannabis people are not that popular. If we shake them down for money, we can pay for these new fire trucks and we won't get hurt that badly. And it turned out that she was absolutely wrong. The city council meeting that they had to discuss this was packed full of patients, full of industry people. I myself wrote a, a letter and was prepared to speak until the proposal actually got killed right there. Because when you try and balance a city's budget on the back of sick people, it's, it's grotesque. And they didn't realize that this community will pull together and will move to make sure that they don't get treated poorly by their government. I think the way that you deal with this issue is you have to have whatever taxation model we have, it has to be across the board for similarly situated people. So if there, if there's going to be some kind of public safety fee because it, there's more crime associated with dispensing medicine, then you need to be talking to CVS and Walgreens and Walmart, not just the cannabis dispensaries. You need to treat everybody fairly. How else might your cannabis policy differ from your opponents? Well, the biggest thing would be I want to treat the cannabis industry the same as any other small business community in Phoenix. If you follow the rules and you do what you're supposed to do, you should be able to open up a business here in Phoenix and grow your business here in Phoenix without having to pay off lobbyists or lawyers to go to you know, the Board of Adjustments to get a special variance. Um, one of the things a lot of people don't know, but people in the cannabis industry know, Phoenix has no normal zoning for cannabis businesses. The, every dispensary or cultivation operation or production operation that opens in the city of Phoenix has to go through the variance process. And when you do that, you invite corruption into the process. When, when you know that there's going to be a special city board that determines whether or not your business is allowed to open or has to shut down. You end up with people who charge high fees to be a quote consultant 
to try and walk you through that hearing process. And they were going to, to the extent of telling some people, you know, if you don't hire us, you're not going to get your permit. That kind of corruption is not something we need in Phoenix. We need to make sure that these dispensaries are operating in the open. They're operating in neighborhoods where there's sidewalks and good lighting. That's how you protect a community, not by making dispensaries go into industrial areas with poor lighting and high crime. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't keep our kids safe. And as a father of four children, I want to do what's necessary to keep Phoenix safe. And it's the opposite of what my opponents would do. They see this as a dangerous industry. I see the way the industry has been treated, you know, not being able to take advantage of the banking system, having to go to these sketchy neighborhoods. That's what's increasing the danger. So I want to focus on real public safety. And we do that by treating these businesses like any other business. My guest is Phoenix candidate for mayor uh, on the libertarian ticket, Nick Sarwark. We're going to take another, uh, we're going to roach it again for a minute and pay the rent. Hear a word from our sponsor to advertise. Come back with our final question, so stick around. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a Approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. We're back for our final questions with Nick Sarwark. Uh, Nick, is there anything that we've not covered that you would like to briefly touch on, and how can people find, uh, follow you and support your campaign? Well, the biggest thing I want to just hit briefly is the reason I'm running for mayor is I want a Phoenix that works for everybody, regardless of whether or not you're well-connected, um, regardless of whether you're a big business person or a small business person. We need to be applying the rules fairly across the board and not have City Hall picking winners and losers. You know, one of the things that frustrates me so much as a parent is my opponents, when they were on the City Council, were giving giant property tax breaks 
to big developers downtown that over the last six years took $200 million out of our public school system and increases the tax burden on normal homeowners. You know, I think that whatever system we have, it needs to be fair across the board. And I want to work for the ordinary Phoenician who doesn't have lawyers and lobbyists and isn't connected at City Hall. So it's a very grassroots campaign, and it's something that we're really hopeful that the last few weeks before the election, we're going to get out there and wake Phoenix up and finally have a mayor in City Hall that's not, you know, bought and paid for by lobbyists and lawyers and is able to really represent the grassroots. Um, for finding me and supporting my campaign, the best place to start is sarwarkforphoenix.com. Um, you can go there to donate, to volunteer. If you live in Phoenix, we can get you a yard sign. Um, you can reach out to the campaign for ways to help. You know, it is going to be these last few weeks knocking on doors, raising money, things like that to, to finish strong and go up against, you know, the lobbyists and the developers. Nick Sarwark, uh, Sarwark for, uh, for Mayor of Phoenix. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you and being on a panel with you, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Vivian. I, I hope that your listeners will support the candidates that support them. All right. You take care now. Thank you. Now I want, now I want to get to a weekly feature here presented on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. If we know that we believe in civility and radical kindness and continue to show it in spite of the nastiness and cruelty of our opposition, then we may suffer some defeats, but we ultimately win the war. And perhaps, most importantly, along the way, we help create a politics and a culture worth fighting for. And that's political commentator and community organizer Sally Kahn. That concludes this installment of Hempresent on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special Hempo Sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, toke it easy. Don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.